Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another Devo with Patrick and Jamie. We are glad to have you with us. Um, and today we're going to go all the way to the end of the Bible. This, yeah, we're like, we're going all the way to the end. You know, I, I think at one point we have looked at the beginning and we'll look at the beginning again. But for now, uh, we are at the end. In fact, in my digital Bible, um, right after the last verse of this chapter, it gives you a table of weights and measures in the Bible. Uh, so you can know how much, you know, a bath of oil is or a shekel or uh, or a cubit or a span, um, you can know all that stuff. So we're not going to do a, we're not going to do a Devo on the measurements of the Bible, uh, at least right now, but we are going to look at this passage. Pat, what passage are we in today? We are in Revelation chapter 22 verses 12 through 21. And in my Bible, it is on page 1,600. 96. So Revelation chapter 22, we're going to look at verses 12 through 21. And it says this, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gate into the city outside are the dogs. Those who are those who practice magic arts, the sexual immoral, the murderers and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I Jesus have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come and let one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of the scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add that person to the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I like that the the Bible ends with the word amen. It starts with in the beginning, ends with amen. I, amen. What, That's what right, an man. ending. What an ending indeed. And I think when I was really young and I was reading the Bible, I thought, you know, I'm just going to read the beginning of it and I'm just going to read the end of it. And then I'll pretty much figure out what's in the middle. Yeah. If you're, you know, kind of like in, in school when you have to do that, you know, essay on a book and maybe you haven't read every word of it, but you're like, you know, if I read the beginning and the end, I'll at least know how it starts and how it begins. Yeah. And so I flipped to this last page and I think I led, read this last chapter, actually even this last section of it. And it was kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Right. It wasn't like super heartwarming. It wasn't like, uh, this is great. You know, you in my Bible, um, 
the words that they that they ascribe to Jesus are in red. Mm-hmm. And so immediately you look at this and it says, yes, I am coming soon. <laughs> and it's in red. You know, it's like, whoa, whoa, this is getting a little heavy, a little quick. Yeah. Uh, so, and then you read in it and it says here about, you know, if, if you add words to this scroll, to this book, uh, plagues will be added to you. The ones that are described in this book, <laughs> and you're like, yo, whoa, this is getting scary. Yeah. Um, right. And, and so it, it's not necessarily like an endearing, heartwarming hug, uh, at the end of the Bible. It, it has some, some harsh stuff that goes with it too. Yeah. Well, it's. It starts off very judgy. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> That's judgy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a very famous or popular Bible verse, verse 13, I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, kind of makes that first verse feel a little bit better. For me, at least, but I don't. Yeah. I don't know why. I can't really put my hand or my finger on why, but just knowing that Christ is like before me and is going to be after me, I guess, is comforting. But I don't know. Yeah. So in uh, when people study the Book of Revelation in particular, they usually study it from the perspective of of the end times of Jesus coming back, mm-hmm. and there's even an entire study of that in theology. Um, and it's called eschatology. It's kind of a, a weird word and you'll never hear it unless you go to seminary um, or you're like into the Google searches or whatever. But if you think about it, there's just an entire area of the study of God that has to do with Jesus coming back, with him returning. Um, and and people want to figure out, well, when Jesus comes back, what's going to happen? What is it going to look like? And, and we don't have a clear, clear picture of that, but we have some little hints and some little clues um, that maybe will help us to live today that tells us how do we live today so that when Jesus comes back, we kind of get an idea of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so we see here, kind of like you said, Jesus is making some pretty big proclamations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one that's super important is like you said, verse 13 or verse 12 and 13. So verse 12, Jesus is saying like, Hey, when I come back, I'm going to, I'm going to give to people according to what they've done. That means Jesus is the judge. Yeah. And we do hear like in John three seventeen, you know, right after a very, very popular Bible verse that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so, and we also hear in the Bible uh, that we're not supposed to judge mm-hmm. because God is the one who's the judge. So when we see Jesus coming back and he's able to actually judge people, he can do that because he's God. Right. And when Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end... Uh, that means that he also is God. And so these are like some pretty important things. <clears throat> For years, decades even, even today, there's even still uh, people who would call themselves uh, Christians who don't believe that Jesus is God. And I just want to put out a word for any of you out there who maybe have heard that or think that. Um, that's a big deal. So in scripture, it's a really big deal. Uh that, that that's something that we own and that we can hold on to that reality. That is one of like the essential pieces of the Christian faith is that Jesus is actually God. And there's a mystery around it. And because there's a mystery around it, it's really hard for us to try to understand it fully because we're not going to be able to understand it fully um, until Christ returns. 
So here we have him saying, I'm the alpha and the omega. And just to let you know what that means, alpha, first letter in the Greek alphabet, omega being the end. Um, so if you've ever seen that, it kind of means, you know, first and the last, it also means kind of everything. It's like, it's the whole deal, right? So it's explained here in three different ways. I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Um, <clears throat> and then first 14, right? You get this weird idea of robes. <laughs> yeah. I always question that. Who washed the robes? Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Okay. I guess. Hey, listen, man, wash I, your robe. I did you laundry come yesterday. come heaven, wash that <laughs> robe. Yeah. Do your laundry. Um, so it says, blessed are those who wash their robes. They may have the right to the tree of life. They may go through the gates into the city. Now, you know, you look at that and you're like, what in the world could that be? Like, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's an interesting verse. And the whole idea of robes are interesting. Robes, like a lot of people had washed robes. Uh, that was something that, that happened. It's a real kind of interesting thought here because earlier on in Revelation, we see that all of all of God's people, like all of the saints, uh, they wear these robes and actually describes them as wearing robes that are white. Um, maybe, you know, if, if you've ever dealt with uh, or been to a baptism, sometimes people wear white at baptisms, depending on your faith tradition. I know that in um, a lot of faith traditions, it's like required. You like They even put white robes on you when you go get baptized and you get dipped in the water and cleaned. And that's symbolic of this, uh, of this um, part of this verse. And part of this is, is this is that as you're, you're becoming a follower of Jesus is that God cleans you. Jesus is the one who washes your robe, gives you a white robe, yeah. makes you clean. Um, so if you think about a robe and I don't know, Pat, do you ever wear robes? Never. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I don't even, have I don't one. think I, it's not my, not yeah, my, jam. I don't think I own one either. Right. It's kind of a weird deal to wear a robe. It's not a normal deal. You know, like <laughs> if you're wearing a robe, it either means you're like, you know, lounging around at home. Uh, I guess. I don't even really know people who do that very much. Uh, right. Let me come home and put a robe on. Like, what is going on? Uh, that's just different. You know, it feels like something out of the 50s. Yeah. Not norm- Not as normal as maybe it was once. Or people who wear robes are people like judges wear robes. And it's like oh, a sign yeah. of their office, you know? Yeah. It used to be that when people would teach in uh, schools, they would wear robes. Isn't oh, that interesting? Weird. So, like, can you imagine your professors, like, you know, putting on a giant, like, <laughs> robe? You're like, what? It's like, oh, hold happened? on. Before I teach you. You know, I think the closest thing that I have to a robe is I have a, a poncho towel that I wear when I go, go surfing. And it's great for changing in and out of a wetsuit because you don't have to, like, try to tie your towel up. And, you know, it has a hood on it, so it kind of feels cool. That's the closest thing. Sounds I like have. a sounds like a snuggie. It it's kind of like a snuggie, and it's kind of like a raincoat, and it's kind of like a towel, and it's kind of like a dress. <laughs> it goes down pretty far, <laughs> but that's the closest thing that I have to a robe. You know, snuggies crack me up. Someone said the other day, not the other day, probably ten years ago or whenever snuggies came out, they're like, uh, snuggies are just a robe that you wear backwards. Yeah, and that's like a hundred percent true. Yep. <laughs> Right. It's just without a hood or something. It's like, cut the hood off a robe, wear it backwards. Hey, you got a Snuggie. You don't need to buy another item. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so so the people who are blessed are the ones who uh, who have these washed robes. Hmm. And um, I don't think – I've looked at this, and looking at this word, 
or at this actual structure in the original language, I'm not sure it actually is saying, blessed are those who have washed their robes themselves. Uh, it's blessed are those whose robes are, are washed. It might be another way to look at it. And I'd have to look, you know, do like a big old giant deep study into it, which uh, unfortunately I can't right now today. But it, it is one of those, those ver- it's, it's actually what's called a participle. I don't want to get too far into the language here. And, and so when that happens, it's not saying, it, it's not a reflective one either, which means it's not reflecting back to the person who said it. So what does that mean? What that means is in the language, as we're looking at this, when we're looking at who's blessed, um, it, it could say, in one way, say, blessed are those who wash their robes, right? Who are doing it themselves. And, and that might be one way to look at it. Another way we would look at it is, blessed are those whose robes are washed. And we know this. And we know this from other places. God is the one who cleans us. It's not us cleaning ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Right. There was, a, there was an awesome book, and it's, it's I, you could call it a book. It's more like a short story. And it was called My Heart, Christ's Home. And a guy named Bob Munger made it years ago. And he equates our lives as like a house. And Jesus is someone who's knocking. And that's something that comes out of, you know, Revelation 3. And Jesus wants to come in. And we slowly let God into the different rooms of our house. And Jesus wants to clean those rooms. And we're like, no, no, you can't clean those rooms. That's like my job. You know, like, like it'd be weird if I came over to your house, Pat, and I'm like, hey, man, uh, can, I, uh, can I scrub your toilet? <laughs> Um, right. You'd be like, uh, knock yourself out. Uh, that's weird though. Um, (laughs) yeah. And and so like, if you, if you let God into your house, normally you'd want to put him at a place of honor. But what Jesus wants to do is he wants to, to wash you clean. Mm -hmm. And, and just like Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And so, uh, that's, what's going on here. Right. I think, I think that's kind of what we need to think about is that we're leading, we're letting God wash us. And then as we let God wash us, we're kind of like, this is cool. I want to join in on the process. Um, So then we move into this and we hear about the tree of life. Now, Pat, you remember anywhere else where you've heard of the tree of life? Oh, yeah. I planted one outside. I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, sweet, man. I got to go over and check that thing out. No. Uh, Genesis, tree of life, tree of uh, good and evil, tree of knowledge of good and evil in uh, Genesis chapter too. Yeah. And it, it, there's a lot of discussion on what, what, what is that? What does it mean? What's the intent of that word? Uh, what could be the tree of, of life? Um, and I think, you know, kind of, if you just think of it as imagery, a lot of people would look at it and say, it's a lot like the fountain of youth. It's like the tree of life, meaning eternal life, um, that you can have that eternal life. And so it says, uh, Blessed are those who robes are washed. They may have the right to the tree of life. And they may go through the gates into the city. In Revelation, you may have heard the, the passage of the pearly gates. And that's from a passage earlier in Revelations that said that in Revelation that says that the actual gate going into the city of God is made out of one pearl that's carved. Like one giant pearl that's carved. That's why they call it the pearly gates. It's from that passage. Oh, I didn't think that pearls um, were very big. Well, this one apparently is like huge. Wow. Right. Like, (laughs) and you know, streets are paved with gold and you know, it's this whole imagery of this like opulent, amazing place. Well, I got to say that that sounds being inside of that city sounds better than being like in verse 15 outside with the dogs. (laughs) 
<laughs> the dogs. I, mean, I, I don't read that by thinking like outside with the puppies. I think like no outside no, no. with the hounds. <laughs> you know, or at least the right, hounds. Right. With the coyotes. Yeah. With the uh yeah, yeah, yeah. We kind of love dogs now. In fact, in our culture, a lot of all of these things that are that are listed as bad, we might actually think that we love some of those things, right? You're like, oh, magic. Magic might be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, sexu- sexually immoral. Like, oh, yeah, that's fun. I like to do those things. Um, no one really kind of like leans into murder as being a good thing. Um, yeah. As much. <laughs> But idolaters, idolaters, that just means someone who is worshiping something that's not God. Uh, and everyone who, pra- who everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Whoa. Yeah. Um, this is just kind of one of those lists. And you get these in scripture, t- uh, multiple times in scripture you see these, where there's these lists of bad things uh-huh. and bad people. So it's like, hey, listen, there are bad people out there. There are people that do wrong. Um, earlier on in the book of Revelation, it talks about these people who don't want to worship God, who don't want to be a part of it, and how God keeps going after them. And God gives them a really long time to decide that they actually want to repent. And it says none of them do. None of them repent. They just don't. Yeah. Um, And I think that's a good thing to note when we read this, because it's easy for us to point at other people and say, hey, you're the dogs. You're the ones, you're the idolaters, you're the, you know, the murderers and, and I'm good. I'm perfect. Right. Um, and again, we got to go back and say, that's Jesus's job to decide. Right. That's not our job to decide. Right. But it's also good to look at this list and say, you know, is there anything on here that I'm maybe stepping into that I shouldn't be? Yeah. Use it to check Um, yourself a little bit. There's the word, man. Check yourself. Uh, and so I think that's something that we we should pay attention to because, you know, as crazy as it sounds, when we look at this, there is a gate, right? And this, and there is like people on one side and pe- people on the other. And um, the difference is some are clothed in these robes. Some are some of them know Jesus and have accepted Jesus. Right. So, um. Cool. Let's move on to verse 16, Pat. Yeah. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I'm the root and the offering of David and the bright morning star. I like the term the root. That is very grounding. It is. And uh, and the root and offspring of David is a title that goes back uh, a long ways. Um and I think it's in Isaiah, it's actually mentioned that, that the Messiah is going to be from, from David. David is the great king. And so there's this, you know, kind of prophetic voice that says that through David's offspring, uh, you're going to have this Messiah. You know, things are going to be brought right, basically, through, through David's offspring. And so Jesus is saying, hey, it's me. Here's what's cool, too, in here. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel. So Jesus has angels. And that's another thing where we look at the deity of, of Christ. Some people want to say that Jesus uh, is an angel. And that's not true. We, we hear that even in, in scripture that Jesus is set higher than the angels. That's another way to kind of check yourself. So I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony. So Jesus uh, has angels and commands angels. And, and um, we even hear that too earlier in scripture that Jesus could command angels if he wanted to, and they would come in and save him from, from the cross. He has that power because he is God. He's yeah. also the bright morning star. 
Yeah. Um, in my Bible, Morning Star is capitalized. Yeah. So it makes me feel like it's de- describing, I think, I think it's describing Jesus himself. Is that, is that true? Do you know, uh, in particular who Morning Star is describing? Yeah, Morning Star is mentioned. I think a couple other times in Scripture, um, it's mentioned uh, that it kind of is pointing towards like a new hope or new light, um, and it is sort of looking towards the the Messiah, which is kind of a, a cool deal. So I think in First Peter it mentions Morning Star. It mentions Morning Star in the second chapter of Revelation, and it's always like something that's going to come that's going to be good. But in terms of the actual title and term of like where that means and what that comes from. I'm not sure. Second Peter chapter one, verse 19 says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you will, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in the dark place until the, the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Whoa, that's cool. The morning star rising in your hearts. So I'm wondering for you, like, what is a morning star? Like, what does that even mean? Like, have you ever seen a star in the morning? The sun rising in the morning is, the sun is a star. So, uh, I mean, the imagery, if you want to take it down that path, the imagery with that is, you know, Christ's light is shining into the darkness um, quite literally when the sun comes up. Christ is the light of the world. You know, we know that from John chapter one. Um, uh, He is light and life and he shines into the darkness and the sun rising every morning, the morning star and another way to put it is revealing everything that darkness was hiding. Uh, so yeah, that's, (laughs) that's my thought on that. Yeah. I did a little, uh, I did a little Wikipedia on this, um, because you know, sometimes you just got to do that. And it talks about the morning star being, um, just sort of in the whole astronomy thing. Um, it's most commonly used as a name for the planet Venus when it appears in the east before sunrise. So I guess right before sunrise in the east, um, Venus will will appear and and it's this bright star. So anyway, that's interesting. I think in uh, in scripture, when we look at morning star, we can think also about when Jesus came to the earth. Uh, it was announced by a star and it wasn't necessarily a morning star, but there was a star that, that was there that the wise men tracked down. So cool, man. This is, this is a, this is a neat passage um, or a neat way to kind of look at this passage is to look at some of the words that are in it, like morning star. Um, and again, I just want to tell people too, as you're just like Patrick and I are doing, as you're going through scripture, you don't understand something. Uh, Google it, look at it, ask a friend, you know, um, there's not rules to, uh, you know, what you can and can't do. Reading the Bible isn't a test. Um, it's just a way for us to try to dig a little bit deeper if we're curious. So follow your curiosities and um, do that with other people. That's what makes it great. Cool. Let's go to verse seven. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come, let, and let the one who hears say, come, let the one who's thirsty, come, let the one who wishes uh, take the free gift of the water of life. Free. Free gift. You don't have to pay anything. The water of life. Yes, there's nothing you can pay. It is a free gift. Yeah. So, the bride, uh, the spirit. I think here's referring to the 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 Holy Spirit. The bride is referring to the church. 
the bride of Christ is the church. Um, so anyone who follows Jesus is the, the terminology here is the bride of Christ. Um, so yeah, there you go. Bride of Christ. Uh, and, and, and what, what they're saying here is come on, it's time to take this, this free gift, this water of life, water of life, um, or water that gives you life was first, maybe not first mentioned, but was something that, um, we hear about in John chapter four, when Jesus talks to the woman at the well, and as he's talking to the woman at the well, um, she, he, he says, uh, you know, hey, if you really, like, knew who I was, you'd ask me for water. Right. Because um, he asked her for water. And, uh, and it'd be water that, that bubbles up, that even, like, leads to eternal life. You know, it's this water of life. And she's like, okay, give me some of that water. Um, so Jesus knows, even from way back in his, you know, kind of the beginning of his ministry here as he's, as he's traveling, um, he starts to use some of these words in these terms that we see kind of come to, to place at the end. But back to that holy water, right? Uh, or back to the water of life. Uh, anyone who wishes, you know, let the one who wishes take the free gift. And I think when we think about our own salvation, when we think about our own coming to Christ, it really does kind of boil down to um, us wanting to take that gift. Do you really want to pick up that gift? Or are you just going to let it sit there? Now, when I was a kid and I got free gifts or someone gave me a gift and it was wrapped, I would grab onto that thing, I would tear it open, and I would not lose it because that was precious. A gift that's free, that's for me. And I think too often for us, we we see this gift of salvation. Maybe we pick it up at one point in our life and then we forget about it and we let it go. Um, The gift is so valuable. It's the most valuable. It's the most important thing uh, that there is in life and even in death. This is the biggest thing. And so, um, you know, what a great, what a great word for us that we have this free gift of the water of life. Yeah. And I think, you know, choosing the free gift, accepting Christ into your heart, I think the, a part that people might get hung up on sometimes is unlike a gift that's given to you, that's wrapped up this, that gift is kind of tangible and the gift of Christ is not tangible. But on the flip side, you have to recognize that whatever gift is given to you that's wrapped up, you rip off the paper, that gift is not eternal. And the gift Mm. of Christ is. And so you have to, that's where um, I think like the, it's like a bigger choice. You know, you're, when you're given a gift that's wrapped up, you, you never choose to like receive the gift, but this is, it's saying you get to like take this free gift and you get to choose when you, when you accept it. You get to choose when you take the water of life. And my recommendation is if you're on the fence of accepting Christ into your heart, I take the free gift. You know, Jesus is saying like, come let anyone who's thirsty for more, come get this gift. It's free. <laughs> can't, can't beat free. Well, cool. Well, let's, uh, let's get through the rest of this. It gets kind of weird here, right? I warn, there's a warning that comes at the end of, Revelation. And what we forget about this is in the first chapter of Revelation, there's the opposite of a warning. There's a, there's a blessing that's given. It actually tells us the bless, blessed is, is the one who reads this scroll, right? So if you read this scroll, if you take it in, you are blessed because you read it. Um, and at the end, it says, um, 
there's actually the opposite of a blessing. It'd be a curse. And that's, it doesn't say you're cursed if you don't read it. It's, it's if you take these words, if you take words out of it, or if you add extra stuff to it. And a lot of people, when they look at the Bible, they say, oh, you know, we can't add to it. We can't like, don't mess with the Bible. Don't, you know, don't touch it. Cause there's a warning right at the end. I saw it, you know, read it with my own, my own two eyes. And I think that is true. We don't want to add a bunch of extra stuff, uh, to the scripture and pretend that it is scripture. Uh, and, and this word for scroll that's in here is the same word for book. Um, and so it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if we add anything to this somehow, uh, we're doing something totally wrong. Well, I know people take notes in their Bible. They write about the Bible. There's so many books that are written that are about the Bible. Basically it's anything that's outside of regular Bible studying that that's not actually scripture. And so when we, when we look to scripture, we want to recognize what is scripture and what isn't scripture. And so, uh, I think that's helpful. And I think it's helpful to have that at the end. Uh, and the war, the warning is like, Hey, don't mess with this, man. The whole, people need to hear these words and they need to hear them for generations. Uh, they need to be able to get into it. And if you add a bunch of weird stuff in here, or if you take a bunch of it away, um, you're, you're doing some damage for other people and it's for the sake of other people. Uh, and I think that's kind of what I'm getting, what I'm hearing in this is, is John is giving this warning through the Lord, um, that you don't want to mess up these books, this Bible, because it's something that needs to stay intact and together for generations and generations to study. And then it ends with saying, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Well, good. I think we had another great Devo today. A lot to discuss in it. And uh, good, though, that we've made it through um, our little Devos here to the Bible. And guess what? We haven't gone through everything. We haven't even come close. But, but we're going to continue doing these Devos because uh, it's good for me to hear the scripture. And it's good for me to hear and study the scripture with Patrick along with me. And I know it's hopefully uh, beneficial for you all to hear the scripture and to study along with us. 